Welcome everyone, one and all, to episode number 22 of Our Kids Asleep. Have we gotten our act together? Do we know what we're going to talk about? Yes. What are we going to talk about, wife? We're going to talk about Oyster Ridge Music Festival. We're going to talk about Andrew Yang. Yes. Presidential yes. candidate Andrew, Andrew Yang. And we're going to talk about Queer Eye. Big, More than a makeover. Awesome, awesome stuff coming up um, right now, guys. We have been gone for way too long. And as I was listening to the last episode uh, when I was cutting it last night, and again, my apologies because we didn't get that out sooner, I realized that we, in the span of two weeks, have have really not reported back on on any of the big stuff. So the one thing that we, I kind of want to do a, um, a little mention, but not really go into it too much, is all of the disarray in, in the immigration, you know, crackdown, you know, where they essentially are tearing kids apart from their their families i have to say something babe okay. like this is so infuriating to me that i just can't i can't understand this and my biggest thing is please don't separate the parents from their children if you want to deport a family that you don't think should be here that's fine do it but please do not make those children have to go through that trauma. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, like seeing those images of, of those poor children, I could not bear it. Mm -hmm. So please find it in your hearts to look at those children as your own. And I hope that you you reconsider some of, some of those, those thoughts of anger or xenophobia that may be running through your mind. If, if you feel that some, some folks shouldn't be here, Please consider that these are human beings. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. They don't want to hurt anyone. They're not coming to take your jobs because most people don't want to do those jobs. Please just consider that they're trying to do the best they can to provide for their families. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the the circus that we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. We're going to try to keep it light. I just had to speak my piece on that. Let's think about these fellow human beings that are going through so much grief but let's move on to something lighter so that we can bring a little bit of joy and awesomeness into the world. How about that? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, how about topic number one? I'll, I'll let you lead on that one. So topic one is the Oyster Ridge Music Festival that we attended two weekends ago. It was it was a weekend, uh, a weekend ago, right? No, two weekends ago. Yeah. Holy shit. The last it the flies. last weekend. The last weekend in July. Um, we drove five hours to Kemmer, <laughs> Wyoming. And um we hung out uh, yep. in the, the central park in their in their city for three days. Yeah. So we we typically partake in this this three day free music festival. Now this is something that is unheard of in a lot of the musicians this year. The big acts were commenting on that, how unique and, and amazing and weird this, this whole thing is. Because ever since 1996, if I'm not mistaken, this festival has been going strong. And initially it started as a bluegrass and folk festival. So that was the main focus, the main driving intent of the whole thing. But as it started to grow, as it started to really kind of find its footing, it's become something far beyond that genre honestly wouldn't you say yeah i would um it's definitely i mean it is at its heart a bluegrass festival yeah but they don't 
you know, they bring in acts that are rock, they're folk, um, country, you know, country a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they it's a pretty varied group of musicians. Yeah, and that was the biggest surprise of all. I think is the the not just the quality of of entertainment that we're seeing on that that makeshift stage. Oh, did I push something? This went to sleep. Sorry, my my screen went to sleep and I kind of freaked out because, oh, and, and I'm going to interrupt just for a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, it's recording just fine. But we are actually, we moved our headquarters. Our recording space is now different. We are settling in into the basement where the big computer is. And now we have room. Now we don't have to, you know, put up everything and tear it back down every single time we do this. So it should allow for a better podcasting experience. So I'm really excited about that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, what were we talking about? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Just the varied music genres that have, um, that have graced the Oyster Ridge stage. Um, This year, the big headliner was the dead South, which is a very bluegrassy band. Yeah. Um, But the year before that, the headliner was the Steel Drivers, which I don't know what are what are they classified as? Are I they, think I think they're bluegrass. They're more bluegrass than yeah. country. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. Well, I think they try to make their headliners more aligned, maybe with the bluegrass thing. Yeah. But you know, like the big draws. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the bands, you know, the sort of the the bands that are a little bit lower down the bill, um, you know are pretty rock and roll some of them yeah they and they vary quite a bit um like uh this year steven kellogg was a band that he's he's a pretty you know in that kind of realm Mm -hmm. but they had these awesome bursting rock and roll moments and um who was it Uh, will evans was another one who like on the surface you know he's sort of like an acoustic virtuoso you know he's like really great on the guitar but his band was almost like ska yeah very like Dave Matthewsy, like mm-hmm. you were. You commented that uh, yeah. when we were there, and that's pretty spot on. But the variety of of stuff that's coming at you is incredible, and the fact that it's free, yeah, that is unreal. The most astounding thing is the quality of the musicians that you're seeing. Yeah, you know they're real working touring musicians, and some yeah. of them are pretty famous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're essentially what you pay for, but like you don't pay for tickets. You're paying for, for the beer, right? For the it's, beer, you're paying for the merch, yeah, food, and they have a lot of raffles while the mm-hmm. while the shows, you know, like are setting up and things like that, where they can continue to fundraise money. And the way that it comes together, it's it's a labor of love from all of the folks who are involved, and for that to come together every single year is just kind of a marvel. So any chance that I get. I tell people, please check out the Oyster Ridge Music Festival and go to OysterRidgeMusicFestival.com because it is, you'll, you'll get a, a sense of, of the work that they do and the kind of talent that goes through that little stage. It blows my mind. Yeah, and you'll get to see the videos that you put together every year for them. Yes. And uh, we're really proud to be part of their, yeah, part of their, yeah, the thing pretty much built. the, yeah. Yeah. And it's so important right now in in our day and age, especially in our small Wyoming communities that are going through some hardship, economic hardship. I can't imagine the benefit of, of a festival, an event like that coming to uh, a town like Kemmer 
to to really make a difference and and to bring up at least the spirits, not just mm-hmm. the economy of the place, but lift the spirits of the the great people who who live in that town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just keep walking away with feelings of oh, I can't wait till next year. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go back there and just be right at the front of the stage and just completely be immersed in that music. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to tell you though, I've been listening to a lot of Joe Pug, mm-hmm. who was one of my main takeaways of the the headliners and. Um, as I had told you before, he is a kind of a big deal. I mean, he um, started out in the Chicago scene and he did a lot of, of shows there and um, he played with some of the heavyweights of that of that genre. But the more I listen to some of his work, I, I'm really taken by his approach and, and just the kinds of, of stories and, and songs that he writes. I think he's a pretty cool dude. And uh, he does have a podcast, too. It's called The the Working Songwriter. And he interviews uh, working musicians on, like, songwriting and stuff like that, which I think is awesome. So check out Joe Pug, who was one of the big ones at the uh, at the fest this time around. Uh, who, who else stuck out, you know, that you that you remember? Um, I mean, if you want to. The Dead South. So I'm not I'm not like a huge bluegrass fan, but the Dead South and they were. They were super bluegrassy, yeah. and they even had like they were dressed in like old timey looking suits, and they had the garb. They had the presentation. Yeah, they had a, they had a presence for sure. Um, but I did like how kind of weird they were. Like yeah. they had some pretty like standard sounding bluegrass songs, but they uh-huh. also had some pretty like out there, yeah, sounding yeah. songs, which I thought was pretty cool that they had that variety. Um, I also really liked the Ghost of Paul Revere. Yeah, those guys were good. They were really good. I liked you showed me their music video. Yeah, right now for I that wolf. What was it called? Wolves. Wolves. The song. Yeah, wolves. and they describe themselves as a uh, holler folk. Yeah, you know, like, that, like makes that, sense. that sort of stuff. You know where? I like um, that. At least from the bio, you know, there was a little chunk that stuck out with me. You know, they listened to not just the the roots kind of music that influenced them, but also they listened to Led Zeppelin. They listened mm. to Radiohead. They listened to more of the the modern stuff and it's crazy like a lot of these great amazing musicians are my age like i think joe pug is like a couple of years older than me if Mm -hmm. not younger like around my age and i'm just like that's insane like the the amount of commitment and and time spent on the craft is just mind-boggling they're that good Mm -hmm. but the ghost of paul revere they're from portland maine and they came all the way over here, and they had this really bluegrassy kind of stuff. Obviously, the banjos in there, the mm-hmm. um, acoustic bass is there. But the neat thing about that was they took some of their songs, and they had a they have a, a keyboardist on tour with them and a drummer. Mm-hmm. So um, they replaced the harmonica sound with with synth mm-hmm. and and piano and drums. They really translated well the stage though, and it was rocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the song that we're going to be putting out there. Though I chose that one to to showcase just because it was so lively, and you know, I try to find a good balance between the the folky and and bluegrassy like centerpiece things that that are presented there, but also give the other side of it like the more rock and and mm-hmm. rock and roll part of the night. Uh, and this this year had so much; mm-hmm. it had so much uh, variety. It was amazing. I got to sneeze. <laughs> I also really like um i like tom bennett and rooster yeah yeah Um, he's a really cool dude they're from salt lake city Mm -hmm. and i don't know he just has a lot of heart 
and his songs are really like genuine. He he strikes me almost as a like you get up there and you're you're watching a one man show. Yeah. It's very theatrical. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's definitely a performance and it's almost a character mm-hmm. where you you don't know if there's like truth or fiction kind of blending like in tales. together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but He's definitely an interesting dude, and he keeps your attention mm-hmm. for the whole hour and a half set that he does. Yeah. Uh, and Rooster is is the guy who who plays with him sometimes. He's like a one-man band, too. He plays the fiddle, and he is amazing. Mm-hmm. He was pretty tremendous. Yeah, I like them a lot. They yeah. were there last year, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are kind of some of the main takeaways. But again, how much music can you take in in three days? I mean, go and find out, please, next year, the last weekend of July. I highly recommend, no matter where you are in this country, I mean, the, the price of the plane ticket would pretty much be about all you have to do. Yeah. You know, you have to eat all weekend and, you know, stay in a hotel. Or you could camp. There's camping. Right. There's a lot of camping. Kemmer itself is such an interesting little town. It's the fossil capital of the world. Yes. In case you didn't know. <laughs> Uh, it's the home of the first uh, J.C. Penney department store. Mm-hmm. The mother store is right across the Gross. street. <laughs> Don't say mother store. It's right across the street from the park. Mike Pence is shuddering somewhere. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just this cute little town. It's it's actually Kemmer slash Diamondville. Right. It's two towns sort of merged together, where they're like you know butted up against each other. Um. And it's sort of in the middle of nowhere. Like, I f- it's really, it feels really isolated. Yeah. Um, but this is the cool thing about it, though. And the fact that it is a little bit removed sh- it is like it's so viable to be turned into an experience mm-hmm. where you're, you're luring people from all over. The talent is coming in and mm-hmm. people could pay top dollar for that. Yeah. Honestly, for the type of like quality of show that they're getting. They they could get away like charging some money. I hope that they don't. Yeah. Um, but by bringing awareness to the kind of experience that one could have there, I mean it's transformative. It, it could be the centerpiece of the music scene in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it hasn't really taken off. I think it might be just things not really gelling just yet. But the, this last festival was incredible. Mm-hmm. When the Dead South was there, which is a big draw for that community, it um. I mean, there were there were a lot of people. How many people do you think were there? I I don't know. I couldn't really see the whole park from where I was, but from where I was standing, it was there was no room. There's no. It was just pure standing room. People were literally standing like in the middle of the the walking path. Like, yeah, it was just. Yeah. It was yeah. It was bumper to bumper. It was <laughs> as Tina said. as Tina would say. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty incredible. But there's definitely room for it to grow and continue to thrive. But I, I really hope that the precarious situation in Kemmer doesn't, yeah. you know, doesn't take away that joy from the from that community, uh, because we don't know what's going to happen with the coal mine. I mean, yeah. Hopefully... For those of you who don't know, the the Westmoreland coal mine has declared bankruptcy. And it's just the the future of of that community is really uncertain right now because of I mean that that community is built on coal yeah and if coal goes away I don't know what will sustain that area yeah um, so it's 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 a really uncertain and 
kind of a dark time for that the people of that community. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like Oyster Ridge is this little beacon of hope yeah. and light. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's fairly emblematic of our community as a whole in the state because whether you, you go to Kemmer or Rollins or Laramie, Casper to, to some degree, you know, or Cheyenne, there's there's this kind of, of feel of like these are your brethren, these are the people who are trying to rough it out. And you share a lot of the same experiences. You understand the the economy of these places. And without that one thing, the community disappears. And as much as I'm for diversifying an economy here in the state of Wyoming, we we have to find a good way to to do this kind of transition to find other means of revenue without sacrificing the people who have worked so hard during their lives. Like when they filed for bankruptcy, when Westmoreland did that, a lot of folks were at risk of losing their their pensions. And I think some of them might have already. And their health benefits. Yeah. Yeah. So why is it that the working class always has to lose out when it comes to these these big bailouts or bankruptcy proceedings? I mean, nobody's not even the 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 judicial system is looking out for for these working class people who pretty much built that coal mine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm all for clean clean energy and moving towards a different kind of of strategy, but you can't forget the people who who work their butts off. Mm-hmm in in those minds so in any case i mean i I, pretty much what i'm getting at is that it is a great opportunity for us to to back up the community to bring excellent talent to wyoming and to continue to contribute to our scene our our music scene here so i will have a crap ton of videos coming out and um as i mentioned to uh you know the the folks that over at the festival. I do want to give them more content. I mean, I'm I'm only hired for you know um, a minimum amount for some some video content, but I do want to give them more. I do want to continue to offer more content year round, just so that you know they can have the opportunity to just share more stuff online because that's just the way it works. That's just the way that we have to do things to get the word out. So mm-hmm. it's an incredibly exciting time. You know, we're looking for year. 26 now this is going to be 26th year next july so we hope that you join us we hope to see you there yep (laughs) sorry i kept babbling you want to tink to oyster ridge let's tink to oyster ridge oh excuse me that was my squeaky chair we're still trying to get in a, a sense of of just how noisy this new space is gonna be and and uh so far, so good. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it going. was raining earlier, so we were afraid that we were going to be able to hear the rain and the recording. All the tinking and yeah. the pit pity pat, as as our <laughs> son would call it. <laughs> What's that fucking Sondheim show? Uh, it's from Follies. 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 Oh, I had to look word. that up. I didn't yeah, know yeah, Follies. Yeah. But. Well, it came from Paddington, too. In mm-hmm. case you guys haven't seen that movie, you guys got to get out there and do it. Hugh Grant plays just a tremendous bad guy and and there's just this hilarious scene in in a jail where they're they're reenacting that song number from Follies and it might just be the funniest thing committed to especially film especially if you're a theater person like, yeah yeah so it's so extra as yeah, you'd yeah. say <laughs> Maddie and I were eating that shit up and and uh then our son was just so caught up in it that i he loved the song he, like, he the genuinely song. loved the song and then i heard him singing like pit pity pat pity 
on his like when he was by himself. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the rain on the roof. Go pity pat. It's so great, you know, like it brings you like a little bit of uh, I just of joy. all I can picture is Hugh Grant in a pink like bell bottom pantsuit with an umbrella. Pretty joyous. Pretty that man, amazing. how did he get so pigeonholed in the '90s into the romantic lead when he clearly had this potential? Yeah, yeah, of being yeah. this that's, great character actor. That is when you. That's what happens when you're handsome. You know. Yeah. Like ruggedly handsome. Well, now he's British. all now he's all old, and he's still handsome in my opinion. But he's breaking out into other other things. Yeah, it only took his entire career. Yeah, yeah. Good for you, Hugh. Good for you. Now, let's move on to topic of the hour number two, which was uh, something not political, right? Because we were steering away no, from two, that tonight. two is political. Okay. But it's not sad. Okay. Uh, it's Andrew Yang. Okay. Okay. Let's get to it. Hashtag um, Yang Gang. Yang Gang. Hashtag Yang Gang. And now we're going to go back to Bernie probably in the next episode because mm-hmm. he did have a, a, a segment on, oh, yeah. on Joe Rogan that we watched recently and we kind of wanted to discuss it, but... You guys tonight. should watch that for next episode. Yeah, please go ahead and check out the the great interview that um, the tripped out and uh, powerful Joe Rogan did. Powerful, um, powerful Joe Rogan. I'm gonna did. figure out uh, which episode Andrew Yang was on so that people. Can... It was like 900. No, <laughs> no, no. It was like 12 something. Okay, and uh, it baffled me that. You told me recently that Joe Rogan is doing like four episodes. He's a machine. I yeah, don't. I that don't dude's understand. A monster. I love that that bit that he was he was telling uh, Tom Segura and Bert when he had him on his show that mm-hmm. like the only reason that he he can get hyped to work out is like when he puts himself in the scenario where like <laughs> somebody's gonna come and kill his family yeah. and so like he has to go and he's such and, a savage. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's just like I can see him, like I can picture him, yeah. like running through a forest, just screaming, like trying to, you know, stab some random hiker or something out in the woods. Powerful Joe Rogan. That's how he's going to go out. I have a feeling. Yeah, it, he's insane. <laughs> but there's a really great episode. And, with- and so, yeah. We initially um, hadn't heard very it's, much about Andrew Yang. So yeah. while, you, while you're doing that, I'm going to I'm gonna Go preface this. We um, stumbled upon Andrew Yang much like most of America did during the, the first Democratic debates. Actually, I had heard about Andrew Yang before that time. Really? Um, my best friend's boyfriend mentioned him. Oh. And told me about oh. him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because... Austin's sort of in that same. He's he's more tech involved. Yeah, and, and, he and Andrew keeps an Yang eye on is that. is from the tech industry. Yeah, so he knew about him before before that, but he he had mentioned that he had been on Joe Rogan and that that was a good uh, a good way to figure out his position on things. Yeah, and what we did, you know, pretty much after the the debate, we we sat down and we kind of looked for more more content, and when we got to the Joe Rogan interview, it really opened um, our our perception on him, I think, because he seems such a far out of left field, no pun intended, candidate that you're like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? It's like you're you're like a Silicon Valley guy. Um, you, you you don't fit in this particular configuration of fucking clown clown oh. cars of the Democratic yeah. Party. And that first that first debate was sort of a joke. I mean, he barely yeah. he barely said like 10 words. Yeah. So, but the words he did say, like when they actually gave him a chance to talk, 
he actually had some really interesting things to say and stuff that set him apart, which I think when there's 20 people on stage or however many people there were who are trying to sell you the same fucking thing. It's super interesting to see a guy who's actually saying something different. Yeah. Something that makes you stand apart from the other 18 people on the stage. Yeah. But it wasn't just something wacky for the sake of wackiness. And this is the problematic thing that he's trying to overcome. And he's starting to do a really good job at is articulating the the sort of the existential issue that's at hand that nobody is paying attention to Mm -hmm. and and that is the the automation of a majority of the jobs in this country that is going to eliminate the the workforce like like by the the millions i mean it's going to be pretty drastic in the in the coming decade the main like the main field he talks about automation effect and automation affects a lot of fields Mm -hmm. but specifically he talks about trucking yeah and how you know in like 10 years most trucks on the road will be self-driven yeah and then the other uh the the couple other industries he talks about is manufacturing Mm -hmm. warehouse work and retail yeah and and all of it kind of stems from this the same symptom of of just commerce and the folks at the very top trying to streamline all of these processes so that they can reduce cost in delivery and and make sure that they can retain as much money as possible. But if you folks listen to the Joe Rogan interview, he will go step by step and, and really delineate where people are going to be hurting the most right away. But the way that it's outlined, just think of Wyoming, right? A pretty hardworking state, working class state. In, in this scenario that inevitably will happen in the next 10 years, what, what do you say, 10 or 11 years, mm-hmm. Wyoming is pretty much a thoroughfare for mm-hmm. transportation, for, for commerce, you know, going east to west and, and uh, pretty much transporting goods yeah. from one place to the another. Entirety, the entire southern portion of our state is, it, is I-80. It lives and and breathe. That's that really the I-80. only we the only reason that the cities are there. Right. The railroad and the interstate. Right. And and so outside of the you know the the oil and gas economy that we have in the state, this is like a major vein that 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 supplies you know employment for folks who work in hotels. You know the the uh, highway side restaurants and and a lot of all that commerce we don't think about. We don't think about those transactions and and all of that economy that is being brought into the state by transportation well it is it is undeniable and it is in the works that artificial intelligence will replace drivers in the next in the next 10 years mm-hmm. and when that happens you're essentially ripping the possibilities for for commerce and economy across all of that vein of the state mm-hmm. All of Southern Wyoming will pretty much wilt because that is that is one major aspect of its economy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, an artificial intelligence vehicle will not stop when it gets tired. Right. Will not need to stop by at the gas station to refuel. No, I mean, maybe. Yeah. But but I mean, yeah. it's all, it all could be automated. To, they're not going to need to go in and get subway. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like exactly. They're not so to eat. instead of having, you know, the, the diesel cashier, you know, or the folk, the folks who are managing that, they're going to have probably like two people running the center mm-hmm. instead of the five or six or whatever. Mm-hmm. There won't be a need for, you know, a huge restaurant. Mm-hmm. They'll minimize 
You know, it's, it's just the fact that all of these options for commerce are getting taken away just by the process of artificial intelligence. But the way that he ties this into what he's calling the freedom dividend of every single American getting a thousand dollars. Yeah. So this is for his, universal basic income. The freedom dividend is just like a fancy, fancy Which is name a great, that he's it's given. It's a great it. name. It is. It really is. It's yeah. like super smart marketing. Yeah. Or not marketing, but like well, it is. PR. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's his, his idea for a universal basic income. Um, which is not a new idea. He explains multiple times that this is not a new idea, that this has yeah. been put forward by people like Teddy Roosevelt, like right. Martin Luther King. So this isn't this isn't like some crazy leftist right. you know, libtard idea. It's <laughs> you know, it's um it's a pretty uh basic idea and yeah. you put twelve thousand dollars into Americans' pockets every year. Or just basic, base, base. Did he say twelve hundred? No, a thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars. Oh a yeah, year. twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah, excuse me. Um and you know, is that going to Well He he explains that like is this going to necessarily completely alter everybody in this country's lives? Probably not. No. But but it, but the way that he that he described it and rationalized it was incredible because this is the fact. Okay, we live in in yes the greatest most financially you know superior country in the world, right? Why should its citizens not have a stake in in these efforts that that have come forth from the labor of of their work? Mm-hmm. You know, there is money there for this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why should you not, as a citizen of the United States of America, have have a stake in your own country? Mm-hmm. That's that's how he's pitching it because that's what we deserve as Americans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the economy can sustain it. Yeah. Because because of the fruits of of all of our economy combined. I mean, why not? Right. Why not? And because he is a capitalist, and this is the the really fascinating thing about this. Uh, another piece of the logic is that if you are to take that money, a majority of us will either reinvest it into our communities or we will we will make sure that it goes toward something that will stimulate the economy. Yeah. Without a doubt, because we have bills to pay, we have expenses to cover, and it's not going to line our bank account. Right. Working class people can't do that. We have to, you know put it back into the services that we need. Mm -hmm. And that is like a genius way to look at it, but it definitely is a business move. So, Oh, and another thing he talked about was um, that that sort of takes the burden off of uh, entrepreneurs as well. Oh, and that was a big one too. Mm -hmm. I think he was spot on with that. And I, again, coming, coming at it from a capitalistic business owner perspective yeah. exactly and he said that about healthcare too which yeah. a lot of the people who support medicare yeah. for all have said and this that. is yeah it's batshit crazy why aren't more republicans looking at this guy and saying he's providing something that's not left or right he's trying to do something that'll unify us in a way but as as sort of like the the primary central uh, 
point of his campaign, there's nothing more unifying right now that he could do to bring people yeah. together. He's, he's literally advocating for supporting job creators. <laughs> yeah. The Republicans have been squawking about job creators yeah. forever. Yeah. And and so the strategy that, that he's approaching this with is is pretty phenomenal and and it's not bullshit. I no. mean, you know, you can have a great strategy, but if it's not backed by data, yeah. you know, it's not going to do us any good. But the man has done his homework, and I, I, I feel swayed. I mean, I do yeah, feel like uh, I think another aspect of his campaign that I really find um, inspiring or you know refreshing mm-hmm. is his idea of um, humanity first. Mm-hmm. So he his idea that our GDP is based on the value of our economy versus the value of people. Okay. He, yeah. he pretty much is saying like our GDP needs to be needs to be measured in the health and wellness of the people who run it, <laughs> not the money that's going into it. Right. Um, he said, you know, and he uses his wife as an example. You know, he said, my wife stays home with our two children, you know, and her work is not valued at any dollar amount mm-hmm. because our economy doesn't work like that. Right. Um, and so I think that that's something that, you know, and so he has this sort of slogan of humanity first in, in supporting people whose jobs are going away because of automation and supporting people who are contributing to society in a non-monetary way. Yeah. Such as taking care of children, you know. Which is which um, is a big one. Which is a huge I've never in my life heard a presidential candidate talk about that. Yeah. Ever. Because they stick to the main talking points. They yeah. don't really want to give you ideas outside of the box. They don't want to offer solutions that are going to rock the boat because you're talking about fucking Joe Biden again being the primary contender. It makes me so mad. Like, I don't... And everyone is doing this. I mean, if you look at, M- uh, what is it, MSNBC, CNN, they are all pushing away from, you know, they'll be okay with Harris. They'll be okay with Warren. You know, maybe they won't talk about Bernie. They will, they've been doing shit like saying, oh, he's creepy. He's doing this and that. You know, they're trying to create an image of somebody who won't be a viable they're candidate. They're trying to rewrite the narrative. Yeah. And it's fairly disgusting when you have somebody like Andrew Yang, who they the DNC didn't want to take one of the, one of the polls recently. Yeah, to qualify him for the fall. Debate. Yeah, he had qualified, but then they they wouldn't accept that one, so he had to qualify it another way or through a different poll. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of bullshit that somebody who is an uh, a thinker outside the box, somebody who's not part of that establishment, is is going to to have an issue with. Yeah, I mean it's disgusting and blatant Mm -hmm. that's a problem now like they're not hiding anything no because they know that people are stupid and they're gonna you know eat up whatever whatever is fed to them and and so i would just encourage you folks to look into andrew yang's uh uh, approach and what he's looking to provide as as potential president i mean the best conversation you're going to find with him is the joe rogan podcast episode 1245 yeah um that's it's a long episode. It's like an hour and a half or two it's, hours. It's so worth it, man. But it's it's you will have no doubt in your mind what he stands for at the end of it. Right. And he seems like a like a he, like he's not hiding anything. Mm-hmm. That that was the interesting thing. Like normally presidential candidates have like a 
like uh what do you call it uh the presence you know the the persona mm -hmm. is very well crafted mm -hmm. and and polished and ready to present this pretty package of of you know motivation and hope and inspiration yeah. to the masses but he just seemed like a person who's trying to do the right thing he seems yeah and he's very seems, down to earth he seems very down to earth very rational yeah he's not um I don't feel like he's trying to sell us on, like, these warm, fuzzy feelings, mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah. Like, Cory Booker is, like, you know, his campaign's, like, all about love and, like, combating yeah. hate with love. I'm like, I get it. Like, that's cool. That's fine. But, like, it doesn't... I don't understand what you stand for. I don't understand what your your issues are. Because they're malleable right now. Yeah, it's just like... They're trying to... See, they go by the polls. So they look yeah. at, oh, you know, in Iowa, they're really concerned about insurance. So he's going to be like, oh, well, we have to incorporate insurance in mm -hmm. this, this, and this way. So they start tailoring yeah. a lot of their philosophies and a lot of their, their you know, like what they're going to pursue based on who they're talking to. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit of disingenuousness about, you know, some of those folks. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I'm talking shit right now, but no matter who it is, I will be voting blue or or independent or I will be voting for whoever has the best chance to beat Donald Trump. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have to. That's have, what we have, have to do. I have to say, even if it is Joe Biden, I would vote. I will vote the shit out of Joe Biden yeah. as long as we don't get Trump again. That's That's yeah. just throwing it out there. Yeah. That's what has to happen. I mean, I don't, I'm not proud of that, but I would <laughs> never Trump. I'm a never Trumper. Yes. I don't know what to say. Well, you know, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. We're going to tink to Andrew Yang here and now so that we can move on to the next one. Holy shit. It's almost 11 o'clock. Do you want to do the last topic and wrap it up? Yeah, pick up the pace. Yeah. We've just. Okay. We've missed podcasting, haven't we? I know. This is a good setup. I it's like it. it's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Now imagine when we have our like our studio here mm -hmm. and the basement is finished. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be too bad, huh? It'd be good. Yeah. Just um, filling your idea like your mind with horrible ideas <laughs> about having an in home studio. Mm -hmm. Um so the last uh the last topic is much lighter. <laughs> um your sister was here. Over the weekend. Like the, the audience's sister. My sister. Your sister. My bean the sister. <laughs> she was here visiting us and she got us into Queer Eye. Which I, I have to say, I we've seen probably like two seasons now. Mm -hmm. Nonstop. We've yeah. just been watching that because we get home from work. We're exhausted. We don't want to think about life. We want to go to a faraway place where men have great hair and fashion and solutions for self-esteem and self-worth. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, I've been really wowed by the show. Yeah. I really do enjoy the show. Yeah. It's, it's very sweet and uh -huh. funny and yes, it's inspiring and yeah. they really do change people's lives. I don't... Yeah, I... I've been one of those where, where for a long time, I'm not, I wasn't interested in reality television because as a playwright, quote unquote, storyteller, whatever you want to call it, I, I was like, no, this is devaluing, you know, entertainment. 
you know, this isn't entertainment, blah, blah, blah. Well, to be fair, there are reality television shows that are devaluing entertainment, but this isn't one of them. <laughs> but this isn't one of them. That's right. And all it took was just kind of looking beyond the the surface um, image of, of the show. And it is, it is a well-loved program. I mean, it definitely has its audience, so it doesn't need me to to shower it with accolades to get actual viewership. But Mm -hmm. um, coming in is is just like a straight dude who who was curious about the show and what they had to offer. I have learned so much from the last couple of episodes just about how to look at myself and and seeing what kind of changes I can do so that I can be uh, like a better dad, a better husband, and and what kind of of things I can fix in the now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, looking at myself objectively, but not in a malicious way, not in a way to tear myself down, but rather to to bring a, a, a better outlook about what I have to offer and how I can go about doing that. I think one of the things that I like about the show is that they push they push for self care. Yeah, and that's something that um, women that is marketed so heavily to women uh, online and on television. Yeah. But it's rarely marketed at men. No, because so, you you don't want to look like, you know. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. look feminine. You don't want to look. You don't want to appear weak. You, right. You like, don't... oh, you need to, you know, like, you need to take care of yourself. But I'm not going to tell you how to do that or, you know, yeah, there, you do that there's on your no, own time. There's no guidebook for that stuff. Mm-hmm. You're just supposed to really suppress all of those concerns. And, and men normally don't have an outlet. For, right. for that sort of thing. And so it's kind of nice to see them say, like, look, you need to take some time for yourself. Yeah. You know, you need to think about yourself more, not just for yourself, but for your family, for mm-hmm. your for your spouse. Um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, specifically Tan, who's like the fashion guy, he does this a lot with with guys when he's t- kind of like trying to teach them how to dress themselves. Mm hmm. Um, he kind of says like how you present yourself communicates to your spouse that you find them desirable. Yeah. You know, like if you're just like schlubbing around yeah. in ratty clothes all the time in all circumstances, right? like you're not conveying to that person that you care about how they see you. Yeah. And that was definitely a turning point. I mean, coming from, you know, the background that I did with my family and everything, my mom was very much staunch about making sure that you look like a decent person. Mm -hmm. Don't look like a homeless person. Don't wear your PJs to Walmart. Don't do that Mm -hmm. shit. In a way that kind of stuck with me, but I never applied it, you Mm -hmm. know, like watching that show and just kind of having conversations with you about, you know, a lot of things given that it was our anniversary too, uh, this week, our eight wonderful, wonderful years of marriage, which mm-hmm. I'm happy to report. She's still here. And <laughs> she said, she said, yes, <laughs> but I, I feel that I had to be reminded of that lesson to, to really think of my clothing as a way for me to communicate with the world mm-hmm. and with my spouse, because that is a powerful thing. You're doing this, this, uh, I, I don't know. You just have to, to try to put in a little bit of effort. Yeah. Effort. I think that's to the show. Big, yeah. That's the big takeaway that I get from the show is put forth some effort. Yeah. And not just men. 
women too. Right. You know, they've made over a couple of women as well. And yeah, you know, it, and more importantly, not not just for yourself, but for the person that you care about, the people that you love, or those that you want to connect with in the future. Um, it, it's just a, a good way to to manifest a positivity within you that you can pass on to other people. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I also got to give Bobby a shout out. Every time I see those episodes... There is nobody who works harder than yeah. that dude. Bobby Burke is the like interior design guy. He pretty much wrecks houses and puts them back together looking like a million dollars. Yeah. And that is a marvel. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I know that he has like a ton of workers and, he has and a you know, team, they, yeah, yeah but contractors. From but... a design standpoint, yeah. on the, the limitations that he has, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool to, you know, yeah. to, to watch him work. Yeah. He's got some great ideas. Yeah, and I'm I'm learning all sorts of vocabulary, the gay community <laughs> that I didn't know before. Like, Jonathan is just a fount of yeah. gay vocabulary. Yeah. So. And he's he's pretty amazing. I mean, the the work that he does with some people and he's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um like like yeah, like I say the the show is really easy to 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 like and yeah. to be engaged with. Uh I really yeah, I think we should just keep watching it and mm-hmm. and I got some badass fashion tips, like yeah. uh, <laughs> that that little bit with uh, uh, rolling up your sleeve rolling or you up know the sleeves of a button up to make it more casual. Yeah, I really do do like th- doing that. I want to get some boots now, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm gonna try to find better pants mm-hmm. because I do care about that stuff. I do want to make sure that I don't look like a piece of shit who yeah. just got out of bed. I'm kind of hoping they read they like make over more women in the coming episodes mm. so I can get some more specific tips. <laughs> some more tips. <laughs> or follow Jonathan on uh on I Instagram. do. I yeah. do. Yeah. Then you'll get more. But it's mostly just um videos of him ice skating or doing gymnastics. <laughs> but it's pretty it's pretty cool anyway. Yeah. I do follow Tan though and he's got some good tips. Yeah. But the one thing that that we agreed that we still don't like is that the French tuck. The well, the French tuck is one thing. Um, it just looks it looks fucking stupid. For those without... of you who don't know, the French tuck is a half tucked in shirt where you just tuck in the front part into the into the front of your pants. Yeah, and it's just sort of to give the illusion that it's tucked in when it's really not. Right, fully tucked in. But but the thing is, I will gladly do that when I have something over that shirt. Mm-hmm. You know that that seems logical. But when it's it's just your button up shirt, and then you got like the things like sticking out like from your backside, <laughs> I it just looks weird, man. And yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I maybe don't know. it looks better on like a thin person, but on a fat person, it doesn't look. Great. I don't see myself looking great. With and most that. of like tan really is don't. tan is really like fit and thin. Yeah, and most of the guys he makes I'm over like, aren't. that dude could wear a fucking trash bag and he'd yeah. look like a million dollars. He yeah, he's a very handsome man. Yeah. I, I love his hair. I know. Like, I hope that when I start getting more gray hair, I can get away with that shit. Because yeah. Well, it, he's like 36 or something, so he must right. have grayed pretty early. Yeah. But, yeah, his ter- his hair is tall and fierce and full of secrets, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Heavy lies the crown. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's been a great series to follow, and we highly recommend that you uh, give it a shot. And Thank uh, you, Brenda. Thank you, Brenda, uh, as much as I hate to give her a shout out and be grateful that she's around. Uh, yeah, you you watch good stuff, I suppose. Let's tink to Queer Eye and the Fab Five. Okay, here we go. One big tink. 
and the good people of Georgia who are getting makeovers thanks to that uh, those tax credits going on over <laughs> all there. All those tax, all those film, film production tax, tax credits. Uh, so, what do you think? Is there anything else that you want to cover this time around? Um, no. That was all three topics. We've been talking and babbling and having a grand old time, and it's almost eleven o'clock. I man, I had a, a crazy allergy outbreak in mm. the middle of the night and I could not sleep. So I sat here thinking about my wife and I made an awesome playlist. And so I really want to dedicate this podcast to Maddie because she is just my light and everything. And the fact that she puts up with me and my ridiculous schemes to, you know, start a t-shirt business or possibly, uh, enough with a, the t-shirt. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, thank you for your patience and for being incredible. I love you. I love you, too. You're going to call it? Yeah. All right, folks. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> Have a great night. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, no, I, was go. just, I got excited because we're <laughs> like a month and a half away from seeing Tom Segura in Denver. Oh, yes. Lord have mercy. Here we go. Well, that's anyway, it. That's it. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Enjoy your night. Please buckle up, stay safe, and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That's right. Peace. Good night. Peace.